0: of Job Um, and when you think about Job and the steadfastness of that individual what do you think when you think of Job what first comes to mind when you think of that man is it his suffering we know that he endured great suffering Uh, the first part of his book talks about uh, the losses that he sustained one after the other uh, there um, is that the first thing that comes to mind? Is it the good intentions um, his good intentions uh, the 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 fact that he he sought to do good and to uh, live in a way that honored God or is it his mistaken friends who uh, come and give him their counsel and constantly are doing it from the wrong perspective and giving really the wrong counsel to him. Um, Is it the great revelation that God made of himself to his servant Job at the end of the book of Job where God talks about who he is? Job gives a wonderful testimony to who God is, and when Job's all done, the Lord wants to know who is it that is darkening counsel with his lack of knowledge, and then the Lord Gives a wonderful display of himself in his word. Um, Or maybe the first thing that comes to mind is the wicked intentions of Satan. As uh, he sought to ruin this man. And his testimony. And his faith and trust in the Lord. When James thought of Job. He thought of his steadfast endurance. That's the thing that that James focuses on, and the fact that by that steadfast endurance, Job is an example to every one of us. If you look in James chapter 5, beginning in verse 7, in James chapter 5 verse 7, James says, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it who remained steadfast. <clears throat> you have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So when James is calling on his readers to, to think about being steadfast, he says, think about Job. And think about the steadfastness of that man. The steadfastness of Job is summarized for us in the words of Job chapter 1 and verse 22 we <clears throat> were told that after job realizes the loss of all the things that he had his family and his wealth and so on we're told that in all this job did not sin or charge god with wrong he continued to maintain his reverence and his love for and his regard for god and his grace and Verse 10 of chapter 2, Job says to his wife, Shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He was faithful and consistent in his trust of the Lord. But Job did much more than that. He professed throughout all of his trials his faith and his trust in the faithful promises of God to him despite all that was happening to him he freely professed and this is in Job chapter 19 and verse 25 for I know that my Redeemer lives and at the last he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been thus destroyed yet in my flesh I shall see God whom I shall seek for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another my heart faints within me He says i know that my flesh is dying and i know that it will die but i know that in this flesh i will see god he had that confidence in the promises of god despite the trials that he was being exposed to both the things that were going on around him and the things that were happening to him later in chapter 23 and verse 8 job says behold i go forward but he speaking of god is not there And backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, when he is working, I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But, Job says, he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold, Job says. My foot is held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. So here's Job expressing this tremendous steadfastness in the Lord. Yes, all these things are happening to him. All these trials are falling out upon him. He's losing things that were dear to him. He's losing even the soundness of his own flesh. And yet in the midst of it all... He continues to say, I know that when this trial is over, I will come forth as gold because it's my God who loves me and cares for me, who is putting me through these trials. In the testimony of Job, you and I see a unique and blessed witness to what it means to be steadfast, to endure, to persevere, and to be patient. But then we know that Job isn't the highest and the brightest example of these things to us. He is an example, but he's not the highest and the brightest because that honor rests upon the Lord Jesus Christ. We look on Jesus, and Hebrews 12.2 says that he is the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God we consider him who Hebrews 12:3 says endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted we're told to look on this endurance of Jesus as he, as he endures the mockery of men and the hatred of men, the hostility they had towards him. We're, we're told to focus on that so that we will not faint when we fall under the same criticism or indignation. We look on Jesus, who according to Hebrews thirteen twelve suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. <clears throat> Therefore, Let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. When you look on this table this morning, you see the emblems of Jesus Christ's patient, steadfast endurance for you. For your sake. You see a, a dish of bread that you're gonna, a piece of which you're gonna break up in your mouth. You see a cup filled with what we call the blood of the grape, which was shed for your sins. The one shows forth his body broken for you; the other is blood shed for you. And in the eating and drinking, you show forth his death until he comes. And these are emblems of what he endured for your sake. For the salvation of your souls. <clears throat> Excuse me. His steadfast perseverance on the behalf of sinners is what opens the hope of the gospel to every sinner. No matter what our sins, no matter the number of our sins, he endured all on the cross, at Calvary, everything that was necessary to satisfy divine justice in regard to all of them. No matter what the character of those sins are, no matter what the number of them is, he suffered all that was necessary to satisfy divine justice in regard to them all. And he endured that suffering for your sake. This is, beloved, the good news. It's what we call the gospel. When men and women and children believe that gospel, that is when they state that they believe that Jesus died for their sins, that he endured the suffering of the cross for their sake, they're saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. They're saved from their sins, all their sins, because if we confess If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, is the promise of God's word. Then when Paul says in Colossians 2, what Paul says in Colossians 2 is true of you. (coughs) He says there in Colossians 2.13, And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So whatever the character of those sins, whatever the number of those sins, when we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we then know that all of that has been satisfied in him that the debt has been paid and it was the debt that was against us he nailed to the cross. (coughs) Excuse me. So it's no wonder, that being true, that David says what we read earlier together. Blessed I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed is the child who knows the gospel and the power of the message of the gospel for the forgiveness of sin. It is the good news That in Christ, because of what he endured, we have peace. And what peace and joy it brings to the heart. To know that if we are faithful, if, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And hopefully it's not lost on us that it's because he is faithful and he is just that we can take heart and have confidence in our forgiveness when we know that he's the one securing and the one guaranteeing our salvation, and that it's not that we are earning or preserving it somehow for ourselves, but it's all secure in him. It gives to the believer a precious sense of peace and security. And that's why Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, In the last time. That's what the believer has. That's what the believer enjoys. That's what the believer knows from the testimony of the gospel. And it's a result of the endurance of Jesus Christ on the behalf of sinners. And that example of Christ enduring all things for your sake should blessedly spur you on as a Christian to enduring all things for his sake. He endured all things for your sake. It's only natural that you who have enjoyed the blessings of that enduring and steadfast love of Christ should respond with an enduring and steadfast love towards him. Consider that Christ our Lord suffered all patiently for us. That lamb was dumb before the fleecers and butchers. Such lambs must we be, that have neither horns to dash, nor nails to tear, nor teeth to bite, nor flight to escape, but patiently to submit ourselves to the will of our shepherds. As we think on the endurance of Christ for our sakes, we come to what Peter says in the second epistle and chapter one. And he says, because Christ has endured these things for you and made you his own by faith and grace. For this reason, he says in verse five, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self control and self control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brother affection, brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours are, and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. (coughs) We've been looking carefully at what Peter says here about making every effort to supplement your faith with the things that he refers to here. Because if you want to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, especially in a world that's darkened by sin and is sometimes not just careless about the gospel, but hostile toward it and toward the Lord Jesus Christ and toward his followers, you need to be thoroughly anchored in your own faith. They're going to go out there, and be a witness, and be a testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. In these circumstances, you need to be carefully and thoroughly anchored in your own faith. Just understand it this way, beloved. Satan does not take it lightly that you're trying to steal away those who are in bondage to him because of their sin. He does not take it lightly. If you intend to do battle for the souls of anyone, you need to be sure that you're wearing the helmet of salvation before you begin. You're going into that battle, and that's what it is, a battle for souls. It's a battle for the hearts and minds of men and women and children. If you're going into that battle, You need to be sure that you're well-armed because the enemy will not take it lightly. So to strengthen our faith and confirm its foundation in the grace of God and the work of Jesus Christ, we seek diligently with real effort and a sense of urgency, real effort, earnest effort and a sense of urgency (coughs) to supplement our faith with virtue our virtue with knowledge, our knowledge with self-control, and our self-control with steadfastness or patient endurance or quiet, trusting perseverance. And it makes perfect sense when you think about it. You and me seeking to develop endurance and patience through the one who not only demonstrated so faithfully It did so just for our sakes, but because he's the one who empowers us to do it by faith. Now, we've already worked on expanding our idea or understanding of the word used here by Peter. That's sort of what we were doing there in the beginning. It involves all those things that we've used to describe it so far. Steadfastness patient endurance, quiet, trusting, perseverance. All those ideas are involved in this this idea. And there's only one other element we might add, and that is cheerfulness. So it's not just taking your stand. It's not just enduring. It's not just being patient, but it's doing it cheerfully. And that's all bound up or folded in to this idea. Patience or steadfastness or endurance is that virtue which would rather suffer some evil and do none than do some evil and suffer none. Those are the words of Augustine. It's no secret that this spirit of endurance is an evidence of true faith. We go back to Luke chapter eight, verse 15. Jesus is explaining the parable of the sower. And he says there, as for that in the good soil, where the gospel, the sea of the gospel, the word of God falls on good soil, on, on, on a good heart prepared to believe. As for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience or with endurance. So that's one of the evidences of the fact that it's the gospel is received, being received in a good heart, that it produces fruit to endurance. In a true believer, there's an honesty and sincerity, as Foot, as Foot puts it, that desires to profit by the strengthening of faith. As contrasted with the stony ground here, the seed not only springs up but continues to flourish. They retain or keep the word, he says. Jesus says later reports Luke, that difficult times are ahead for his disciples. And he says, in those times my disciples will be tried. And Jesus says in Luke 21:16, You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you will be put to death because of your faith, because of your trust in the gospel. You will be hated by all men for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your life. By your steadfastness, by your trust and hope, uncompromised in the gospel, you will gain your lives. Matthew Henry has Jesus saying here, Possess your souls, be your own men, keep up the authority and dominion of reason, and keep under the tumults of passion, that neither grief nor fear may tyrannize over you, nor turn you out of the possession and enjoyment of yourselves. Of yourselves in Christ, And it's Paul who writes of the profit of endurance for the believer. Paul's, Paul's writing in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You might recall what James said. James said in chapter 5 verse 11, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast or enduring or patient. This grace of endurance or patience is essential. And as one has said, patience does us more good than tribulation can do us hurt. It's those who persevere, beloved, who see God at work. It's those who endure for Christ's sake who see his love and his mercy. That's where you see it and, and poured out to you while you're enduring, while you're putting your trust in him. That's what Job saw. Here he was in the midst of this suffering and the loss of all these things, but he saw the love of God for him in the midst of it all. And he saw it in a unique way. And that's what every believer sees when, when under tribulation, or under hardship, their eyes are fixed on him and they continue to trust in his word. They, they see that love. They see that mercy. They see the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they see his justice. The word of God plays an essential part in the believer's endurance or perseverance as well. This is Romans chapter 15, Paul's writing in verse 1, he says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached fell on me for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. And then Paul turns to prayer because he knows that this endurance is not something that you can raise up in yourself and you can manufacture in yourself but it's a gift of the spirit to you to endure To remain steadfast. And so he then says in verse 5. May the God of endurance. And encouragement. Grant you to live in such harmony with one another. In accord with Christ Jesus. That together you may with one voice. Glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's pointing out that. It is the intention of Satan. To separate believers. They need to go to the God of endurance and encouragement that they might be granted to live in harmony so they can speak with one voice for the glory of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That this patient perseverance is a testimony to others is obvious. People often recognize it in the life of the believer. And Paul even uses it as evidence of his sincerity and preaching the gospel to the lost. He says it to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 6.4. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. He says, how do you know we're the servants of God? Well, We commend ourselves as the servants of God to you in every way, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, and calamities. He says, how do you know that we're a faithful witness to the gospel? Well, look at the way we endure all these things. No man can do that unless he's been changed by God. And that change comes through belief and trust in the gospel. And you can trust us to be bringing you what is true. Because look at how we endure. Now, notice that this comes on the heels of the call to self-control. And it's there for a reason. Many temptations to inordinate pleasures, and what we mean by that are improper things. You know, children, things you shouldn't love, that you ought not to love. Many temptations to inordinate pleasures, things that we shouldn't ought to love, are easily resisted. I can't speak for all of you, but my suspicion is that most of you haven't been tempted to go rob a bank here lately or to steal, Um, that you're not continual liars. But the temptations that are raised by pride or fear or anger, they're of a different character and generally more of a threat to us. Those who would never compromise their faith by drunkenness, for example, may be found doing so at the frown of the world. Never compromise their faith by drunkenness. But when they find themselves in a context where people are denigrating Christianity or calling believers fools or saying that only idiots would believe the Bible, that's a real temptation to step back and not be identified with that. When people begin to say, what kind of a person are you that you believe men are sinners and need to be saved? All men are good. What kind of a hateful position is that? To step back out of fear of the world or out of a sense of pride. Those who might never fall prey to carnal lust may crumble before mockery or ridicule. The one who's unmoved by greed May be driven to an unchrist-like spirit of anger, by pain or by trial or by hardship of one sort or another. You could never get them to compromise their testimony for Christ um, by greed. but just add enough pressure. Just treat them like job. Take away what they have. Make life not what they hoped it would be. And they can compromise that testimony, be tempted to ta- compromise that testimony out of anger, out of pride, out of discontent. And so self-control is put first, but then it's followed by this call for endurance. Patient endurance under your trials, under your difficulties, remaining faithful to God and to his word. We're born to suffering because of sin in this world, beloved. In Job 5, verses 6-7, we read, For affliction does not come from the dust, nor does trouble sprout from the ground, but man is born to trouble as the sparks fly. We're subject to persecution because of sin in the world. Jesus said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Know that. He says, I choose you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. That's what you're going to expect. That's what you're going to find. We're subject to trials because our enemy goes to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking whom he may devour. Which one of you he may devour? Consider how we began with Job. That's what was Job's story, right? But the man or woman or child of faith endures all these things cheerfully before the Lord. (laughs) But how? Well, first, by putting His or her trust in the providence of God. We know that the God of providence has allowed these things to come into our lives. He has permitted it for perhaps our correction, certainly for our refinement, and certainly for His own glory. And so we trust that providence, and that's what helps us to endure. We trust him. We know what what he's doing. He's doing well, and he's doing wisely, and he has ordained it. And we have confidence that he's not done that uh, to punish or to crush us, but to refine us and bless us. Punishments are good for none but the patient. To them only, they're signs of favor, says Thomas Adams. Secondly, we endure by trusting his justice. We endure because we know that our trials are just. We're not innocent victims in this world. We're deserving sinners. But what a beautiful thing it is that all of our difficulties have been graciously sanctified to us through the cross. sometimes in pride and think we deserve more but the truth is if we stand before God honestly we see that we're not worthy of the least of his mercies and yet he has dealt mercifully with us and then we trust in his promises we endure because we know and believe as the redeemed that all things are working together for our good And it's easy to say that, and it's often set forth as a platitude, but it's what gives us a spirit of endurance to know that all things are working together for our good. Because we love God, and we know we're called according to his purpose, and we trust that promise. And lastly, there's the glory of God. Think again of Job. Think of how beautifully he glorifies God when he says this naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return the Lord gives and the Lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord what a beautiful testimony to the glory of the Lord I am nothing God is all God gives God takes away That's the glory of God as God, and I have peace in that, and I have comfort in that, and I give thanks for it, and I glorify God by it. And our steadfastness, our endurance, our patient endurance under trial bears testimony and witness to that. In the end, the believer endures because God preserves him or her for his own glory. And that's what it is. I'm glorifying myself in this one. Yes, I've, I've, I've allowed them to fall under a trial. And that trial is testing them in their faith. But I am sustaining them. And the glory's all mine. And look at that. Look how they trust me. Look at how Job continues to trust me in the midst of all of this. And Satan said he won't do that. He won't do that. He'll curse you. He'll curse you when you, when you allow him to be treated like this but actually the spotlight's put on Job and no it's not true God sustains his servant and his servant continues to give glory to him and that's what he's doing with you when you fall under trials and difficulties whether he's testing you or trying you whether he's correcting you or refining you whatever he's doing by that trial in the end he's doing it for his own glory and he's using you to glorify himself what a wonderful place to be in And what a good reason for endurance. Lord, make me able to endure more. Give me more strength. Make me stronger so that I can endure more for your glory. And may all the glory be yours, both now and forever. In Colossians 1, Paul says in verse 9, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, Your gift of endurance is a testimony to the fact that you have been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And that strengthens your faith, increases your confidence in who you are in Christ, and equips you to go out there and to bear witness for him in a dark and dying world. Father in heaven, we... Thank you for the gift of endurance. Lord, we look at ourselves and all we see is weakness and frailty. But we look to you and we see this promise of strength that comes to us by your Spirit. And so, Father, we pray that you would make us an enduring people. That, Lord, whether it's events in our personal lives or events, events on the, the greater stage of life, That, Lord, we would endure for the gospel's sake. That we would endure for your sake. That we would endure for the Savior who endured so much for us. That, Father, we might be a living testimony for you. And, Lord, if there's anyone out there who is without hope in Christ today, Lord, let them please see that this is the testimony of the gospel. To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ who endured so much for their sake, that, Lord, they might be saved from their sins and become an enduring testimony for the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Work in hearts, Lord, for your glory. Work in us all for your glory. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen.